I think it was like a year and a half, we walked through, we, we taught through every line of that Apostles' Creed and the importance of it. Um, it is a good that we come every week and just remind ourselves of the gospel, that we preach the gospel to ourselves. Uh, I know sometimes we say that word Catholic and everyone goes, wait a minute, are we, are we part of the Catholic Church or not? But Catholic just simply means universal. So it's just talking about the holy universal church, the full body of Christ. Um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 today, where we are looking at the church. We are looking at what it means to be one body, but with many, many members. Uh, and so, uh, I'm excited about this text, but I'm really excited about when we're preaching this text. And what I mean is, you know, we're still kind of in the beginning of 2021, and I think when we begin a year, we're always kind of like, uh, we have expectations, we have hopes, and it's kind of like a reset. And my prayer is that as we go through this text, that God uses it greatly to grow us in our faith, to strengthen us, so that when we get to the end of 2021, there will be a harvest of righteousness from this text, from what it will do in this body here today. And so what we're doing today is we're looking at the church. We're looking at what does it mean um, that we are the church and, and how is it that we are a diverse group of people working together for a common mission. And why is it so important that we have unity? Like why is unity not just, it's this neat thing and if we get it, great, but why is it essential why is it necessary? Why do we need to fight for it and persevere for it and do everything we can to guard it? And of course, if we're going to understand the church as a whole, we need to understand what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean that you are saved and you have the Spirit of God living in you? In our text today, what we're looking at is we're seeing how every single believer is valuable, essential, and a necessary part of the church. Do you know that? Like I, I imagine that some of you, even as I say it, you're like, yeah, well, probably not me. Or, but you are, you're a necessary, valuable, and essential part of the church. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, the whole letter to Corinth is really, Paul is bringing instruction to this church. They're an incredibly divisive church. I mean, there's problems everywhere. They're divided over leadership, divided over sexual morality, divided over communion, divided on, of their understanding of marriage. They're, in fact, they're so divided, they're taking each other to court and they're suing one another. And, and what we're going to see today in this chapter is they're divided over spiritual gifts. And so what we're going to see is that spiritual gifts are given uh, for the purpose of uniting the church and building the church up. But at Corinth, they're dividing over them and they're tearing one another apart. So Paul is going to offer correction, and in doing so, he lays forth this spectacular vision of the church. And what we're going to see is the church is a diverse people, united by the gospel, gifted by the Spirit, working uh that work that is working to build each member up that's what we're going to see and so I, I pray you notice we we're a unique people we're a redeemed people we're a people empowered by the spirit of god and because of that there shouldn't be any division among us 
And so what I want to do is we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to read almost the entire chapter. Uh, So what we do here is we stand when we read, so I encourage you to stand. This is going to be a little bit of a marathon, uh, so if you need to take a break and you need to sit, that is fine. Uh, But we are going to read almost this entire chapter of chapter 12. So here we go. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the one body, just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's pray. Father, Father, this is a big text. It is a huge text that just talks about the church and how we function and how we work and the unity that we have. And it, and it gives correction and it exposes lies that we believe. And so Father, I pray as we come to your word today, Give us wisdom, give us understanding, give us humility. Lord, may we see the truth of your word and may the power of your spirit work it into our hearts, into our minds. May we be more molded into the image of your son Jesus today. Help us to become more like you. And may we as a church 
even be more united because of this text, because of your message to us today. May we grow in our joy of the church today. May we see that we have been saved not to be independent, but to be dependent upon one another as you graciously work through every member of the church for the good of the church. So Father, we praise you. We realize, we acknowledge that the church is a means of grace in which we grow in our faith. In your name, Jesus, amen. You all may be seated. So we're looking at like 27 verses today. We're not covering every verse just to, just to cover. We're not being able to cover every topic and everything that this text addresses. Uh, we're kind of stepping back and we're going to take the, the bigger view, the overview of it. Uh, and so... Uh, just to explain why we won't hit every single verse in it. So we're going to jump in as Paul does. First thing we need to see is the Spirit is given to every Christian. You just need to know that. The Spirit is given to every Christian. Paul begins, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So the church is divided on how they think of spiritual gifts. So Paul is going to give them instruction. He's going to bring clarity where there's confusion. And in verse 2, he reminds them, when you were an unbeliever, you worshiped false gods. That's the whole point of verse 2. You were led to worship these mute idols, these other idols. And he's like, however you were led. But then he says, when you believed in the gospel, a change happened. No longer do you worship false gods, but he says in verse 3, whoever has the Spirit of God does not curse Jesus, and those who have the Holy Spirit within them, they confess that Jesus is Lord. His whole point is, now because you've been saved and you have the Spirit, you don't worship false gods, you don't curse Jesus, and you confess that Jesus is Lord. What he wants us to know is that every Christian has the Spirit. When we're saved by His grace... He gives us his spirit, that we'd be made new, that we'd be born again. And the evidence that we are saved, that we've been born again, that we love Jesus, is that we don't curse Jesus, but we worship him as Lord. Now, the word Lord is the word kyrios in Greek. And what it means, it means master. Now, many of you know unbelievers. You may be an unbeliever here. Um, we know unbelievers who, who hate Jesus who have no desire to love him, no desire to even speak positively about him. They belittle him at every moment that they can. And then there are other unbelievers who will simply say, you know, he, he's a swell guy. Did a lot of good things, did some good teaching, really don't have a problem with him. Um, but they're not going to acknowledge him as master and Lord of their lives. Neither the one who completely dismisses him and rejects him, or the one who just simply simplifies him and says he's just a man who is very moral neither one of them will worship him neither one will obey him neither one will follow him for that to happen they require the grace of god to save them to be given the spirit of god that they would then see jesus with new eyes and they would love him and so if you are saved if you've trusted in jesus christ as your lord and savior then you have the Spirit of God. Every single Christian has the Spirit of God living in them. So if we're going to understand the church, then we need to know the Christian, then we need to understand that the Christian life um, 
If we're going to understand the church, the Christian life, and anything about spiritual gifts, we must know that we are a people indwelt by the Spirit of God. And so the question then might be, so what does the Spirit do? Why is he in us? What is his um, working within us? That brings us to the next point. The Spirit gives every Christian a unique set of gifts for the building up of the church. Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So every Christian is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So you might say, well, well, what is that? What does that mean? What is this manifestation? Well, remember, we're talking spiritual gifts. Verse 1, Paul says, you seem to need some understanding about spiritual gifts, so let me give you correction. And in verse 4, Paul says, look, there are varieties of gifts, but there is the same Spirit, meaning uh, no matter how many gifts there are, they all come from the one Spirit. And then in verses 8, 9, and 10, Paul gives a sampling. It's not exhaustive. It's just a sampling of gifts. And he mentions like things like wisdom and knowledge, faith, gifts, healing, works of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. He's talking spiritual gifts. So the whole point is every Christian is given spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit in you. So that's what he means. So verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Every Christian has the Spirit. The way you know you have the Spirit is you do not curse Jesus, but you worship Him. And the outward working of that is you have spiritual gifts. That's the outward working of the Spirit in you. When you, when you exercise your spiritual gift, the Spirit is shining through you. And you want to know why? Look at the second half of verse 7. For the common good. You're gifted by the Spirit for the good of the church. Do you know that? You. You're uniquely gifted by the Spirit for the good of the church. Now, I realize that as I say that, some of you are going, mm, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think I could really benefit the church. However I'm gifted, it's, it's definitely not going to be able to be helping others. So I encourage you, look at verse 11. Verse 11, I think, is really helpful. It says, all these gifts are empowered by the Spirit. So see, these gifts are not about your abilities. You're not empowered. So if you're sitting here going, okay, I know, okay, based upon God's Word, what you just said, I have the Spirit, Spirit's in me, He gives me spiritual gifts, there's no way I could be used for the building up of 100 other people or you know, a bigger church, 500 people, or whatever it is. It's not about your powers. It's not about your abilities. It's God in you who empowers you. The gifts are about the Spirit. The only reason you, I, any of us can be used has nothing to do with your own personal makeup. has everything to do with the Spirit of God in you. Now read the rest of verse 11. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You get that? He portions to each one individually. So what does that mean? It means you're gifted in a unique way, and you're gifted in a unique way, and you're gifted in a unique way. Each and every one of us are different in the way we've gifted. We're all, we're all like a snowflake. I realized that, so I was doing the online thing yesterday, and I think I said it slightly different, like you're snowflakes, and uh, 
And I see no way how that's complimentary at all, like you're a snowflake. But the uniqueness of a snowflake, if you want to be a snowflake, you can be whatever. But like like a snowflake, like a fingerprint, you're unique. No two are the same. So whatever quantity or measure of gifting you have, that's specially designed by God for you. Do you realize that? Like, that's just crazy. Every single believer has been gifted in a unique way by the Spirit. This is why I said earlier, every single member is essential, valuable, and a necessary part of the church. Because there's, there's no one else like you. There's no one else gifted just like you. And you're gifted for the good of the church. Now, let's just take a moment and let's flush this out. If we believe that this text is God's word, which I believe we do, and it's inerrant, meaning there's no errors in it. It's infallible, meaning it's fully, it, it's truthful, and it comes inspired by the Spirit, then, then this text is going to radically shape and inform the way we think and the way we are involved with the church, right? They just this, begin thinking this out, fleshing this out. For one, there would be no such thing as a Sunday-only Christian, right? Because you're uniquely gifted by the Spirit for the building up of the church. That doesn't mean just Sunday morning gathering. That's talking about how you encourage the body. There would be no such thing as just simply coming late, leaving early. i got to make sure I say it the right way. Coming late, leaving early. Why? Because you're gifted for the good of the church, You're not coming just for you to check the box. You're coming to bless and to encourage others. To be a Christian that's not involved in local churches is is like an oxymoron. It's it's civil war, plastic silverware, friendly takeover. You know, all those things that just don't really go together. A Christian not involved in the church, Paul has no category for that. And he wants us to understand that You've been saved to be a part of the church. You're uniquely gifted to benefit, to bless the church. Now think about how this text then informs the way we think membership. How do we wrestle with that? When we join a church in membership, we are committing to using our gifts for the good of the church. That's what we're doing in membership. You're saying God has gifted me in a unique way, and I will be involved in the church for the good of the church. But you're also saying... I need the giftings of the church to benefit me and grow me in my faith as well. So you're not only committing to benefit the church, you're admitting your need for the church to benefit you. That's what we're doing in membership. I mean, there's more to it, but that's so much of what we're doing in membership. We're saying, I'm a believer and I'm here to commit to this body. And as as that person affirms the body, the body affirms him and says, and we're committing to you. Because we know we're different. We know we're uniquely gifted so that we can be used to encourage and build each other up. I encourage you, if you're not yet a member, for one, you can come join us as we have lunch today. Uh, Come on the 21st. We want to talk to you about membership. We want to talk to you about the importance of it, of how valuable and essential it is as we encourage and build each other up. We need to know, every one of us, that you You have been saved by God, 
empowered by the Spirit to be actively, invo- to be actively involved in the building up a local church. Do you know that? That's what God has done by saving you. He saved you. He's, he's given you the Spirit, empowered you with the Spirit, gifted you with the Spirit, so you'd be involved in the local church, building it up. So how do you know what your spiritual gifts are? And then there is so many answers to this. Uh, who's taking a spiritual gift test real quick? Ah, you're all guilty. Um, so you got to know, you're like being set up at that moment. Like, oh, really? Um, those are fine. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Just, you know, Woody, I, I was relying upon you right there, and you came through. Um, so I, they're fine to a degree. Um, but here's the problem. Spiritual gift tests, what do they do? Just think about it. What do they do? What is, what is their goal? Their goal is to look at you, the way you're wired, the things that you like and dislike, and they're to tell you where you're strong, what your abilities are, where you're gifted. Have you ever been surprised at your spiritual gift test? Well, I never knew I had that. Really? Um, that's one reason I think spiritual gift tests are weird. Um, but now think about it. What is the point of spiritual gifts? Are they about your strength? Are they about your abilities? No, they're about the Spirit who now works in you, who gifts you for the building up of the church. We're always looking at where am I strong? Where am I gifted? What do I do really well? That's where I should serve. And yet, what we see all throughout Scripture is that the Spirit usually uses unlikely people to do extraordinary things. He uses them in their weaknesses, not their strengths. Spiritual gift tests will tell you where you're strong so you can then choose where you want to serve. But God has gifted us in our weaknesses that we would be used so, who, so he gets all the glory. Just pick, pick any book in the Bible. Go to the book of Joshua. Super helpful. Or book of Judges. You got a guy like Gideon. Gideon is scared. Gideon is hiding. And the Spirit comes to him and says, Oh, man of God. And you're like, Really? that guy no way but why is he able to be used by god to take 300 people and defeat the innumerable midianite army is it because he took the gift test and found out he's got strong leadership skills no he's worthless in and of himself no chance and yet the spirit of god comes upon him does amazing things think about who jesus chooses for the disciples fishermen zealots tax collectors i mean it's like war this is no way this is going to work out they're not educated enough they don't have the powers the abilities and yet these guys are going to be the ones who go and take the message of the gospel forth in the world so that the world what they say in acts is turned upside down not a chance they're not the ones we would choose if we're trying to do a giftings test you see you see the problem now with spiritual gifts They want to look at where you're strong, but the whole Bible is about where God is strong, working in you, in your weaknesses, that you would do incredible things. So, how do you know what your spiritual spiritual gifts are? Be involved in the church. Find a need, fill the need. You begin to get involved in the church, and you trust that God will sovereignly just begin to move you and guide you. And as that happens, you'll see exactly where God has gifted you and where you should serve and what that might look like. And so um, in your bulletins today, we, we actually put this little form 
Um, it's mainly just to help you, just a tool. Uh, and if you don't like using pencils and paper, you can also go to our website and under, under a tab, under the Get Involved tab, uh, the, the form's there digitally, and you can, you can fill it out digitally, and then you don't even have to use ink. Um, it just has, just has a lot of ways that you can serve. Just has ideas. Now, there might be things not on there, and you're like, hey, what about this? Awesome. Fill it out. You might see things on there, and you're like, oh, I could do this. Great. Go for it. You don't even need to call us and talk to us about it. Um, you might want more information on it, so then you can email us. You can talk to us about it. And if you're still sitting there, and you look at this big list, and you go, I got no clue what to do. Um, I think they're underlined or bolded or something, certain ones that are there. What are they? Are they underlined or bolded? Underlined. Okay. Those are the ones that we have immediate needs right now. So if you look at the whole list and you still have no idea what to do, pick one of those because those are the ones that we could plug you in today. And again, you're not committing to a life term of whatever that is. You're just saying, I want to get involved. I want to begin using my gifts. And you know, you, you might, like, like children's ministry, for example, you might say, oh, I, I don't work well with children or I, I can't teach children. Well, we also need the gift of encouragement down there just the gift of patience down there it's not just the gift of teaching but it's all these other gifts that can be used so here's the thing a lot of times we get the form stuck in my head i need to teach this way i need to use my gift this way and yet really there's so many ways that we could use our giftings so i encourage you begin praying about that and then i encourage you get involved just simply just get involved. Say, hey, I want to be more involved. I want to figure out how God has uniquely gifted me and how I could be a benefit to others. And we'll just plug you in. And we'll keep a running conversation. We'll like, hey, I really like this. This seems to work well. Or you're going, man, I, I, I think this is not a good idea. Someone's not going to live. Um, and then we'll pull you out of that. The way we know, the way we begin to discover our gifts is by simply being involved. And so one of my prayers, and, and like I started in the beginning, I'm excited about where and when this text is, is taking place in the life of our church right now, the beginning of 2021. I pray that by the end of 2021, there's so much fruit and a harvest of righteousness that comes from this text. I pray that all of us will leave today more committed and engaged to the church. Willing to say, look, I'm going to step out. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to start coming early, leaving late. I'm going to start finding a need. I'm going to start asking how I can serve, whether it's children's or whatever. And that's not limited to just the Sunday gathering. Hospitality, making meals, doing so many things throughout the week. I just want to encourage you to begin wrestling with that. So that we would grow in our unity, in our love, and that we'd build one another up. See, Paul wants us to know how essential every single one of us is. And, and he wants us to see why it would be absurd and why it would be foolish for there to be division among us. Remember, there's division all in the Corinthian church. And so Paul now, he wants to begin giving us, he wants us to go deeper than where he's just been. He wants us to understand the unity that we have, the necessity that we have of being together, and why it would be absolutely foolish and absurd for there to be disunity among us. So what we're going to see is that the Spirit has united all believers into the body of Christ. Look at verse 12. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, 
are one body, so it is with Christ. So Paul says, okay, we begin to talk about spiritual gifts. You're beginning to understand this. But now, let's make sure we understand why there can't be any disunity among us. Look at your body. Just look at yourself. You've got arms, you've got, you got hands, you've got fingers, you've got legs, you've got toes, you've got kneecaps. All these weird parts, right? All of them are diverse parts. All of them are different. And yet they make one body. And so Paul says, so it is with Christ. Meaning, so it is with the body of Christ. So it is with the church. The church is the body of Christ. And each member is a part of that body. Uniquely and specially made that we would complement one another. Romans 12 says the same thing. This is where Paul's writing the Romans. And he says this, Romans 12 verse 4. For as in one body... We have many members. Same thing. One body, many members. And the members do not all have the same function. Everything's different. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. His point is, you're the body of Christ and individually you are members of that body, specifically, uniquely gifted for the benefit of the functioning of the body. And so if you're not using your spiritual gifts, body's going to be hindered parts are going to be removed i mean just just look at yourself which part do you not want i'm not saying which part do you want slimmed or you know something like that we're not talking that which part do you not want which hand which knee which toe which leg none of us would say well i I don't want that part i might want it to look differently but we don't we want every part of our body. We find it essential. We find it necessary. And every part has a different function. It works slightly different than other parts. They might be similar, but they're different. That's you. That's me. That's why we need one another. That's why it'd be absurd to say, well, I don't need this part. Which part of the body do you want to cut off? When there's division, which part of the body is not needed at that time? That's what happens in division. Or we don't need you. Your your thoughts don't matter. You don't need to be a part of this church. We're beginning to cut off parts of the body. That's what's happening here in Corinth. In verse 13, we see it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Greek, slave, free, or we could add on to that, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or any other ethnicity. When you are saved, you are united to form the body of Christ. The church is a diverse people in a world where, where it says it wants unity among diversity, but what we continually see is more and more division. The church truly is a diverse people held together by the body of Christ. We're a diverse people with diverse giftings united to form the body of Christ. That's who we are. Do you know that? And do you know why it works? Look at the first part of verse 13. Look at the last part of verse 13. First part says we've all been baptized by the Spirit. We've all been baptized. And at the end, it says we all drink of one Spirit. The point of those verses is that the church is saturated with the Spirit. We are a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-gifted people. The Spirit of God is active in every part of the life of the church. That's who we are. That's why we're able to come together. As the church, we are a picture of a redeemed, spirit-filled humanity that will live with Jesus forever in the new heavens and new earth. Do you realize that? That's who we are. 
We're a spirit-filled, redeemed, new humanity. We're showing the world what it looks like to be a people under God's rule, experiencing His blessing. We are a picture of heaven on earth. Not a perfect picture, by all means, but we are a picture of what it will look like to live with God forever in the new heavens and new earth. That's what we show right now. This is why we're not like any other group. We're not like political groups. Uh, we're not like a group held together by common hobbies, common goals, common professions, common politics, common physical traits. We are held together by a common Savior with the, with the Spirit that we form the body of Christ. And that is our identity. That's what Paul wants us to see. Why can there be no division? Because we are the church. That's who we are. And we need every single one of us because we're uniquely gifted. So we understand. So Paul, so Paul drives home. This is why there can't be division. You're supposed to be different. Don't let your differences divide you. You're supposed to look different and act different and be gifted different, have different interests, be involved in different ministries. But the crazy thing is we all come together loving one another and building one another up. Why? Because the Spirit within us. But what we see, we go back to Corinth and we see, but there's problems at times in the church, isn't there? Because there is an enemy and the enemy hates the church. The enemy wants to destroy the church, deceive the church. And what we see here in Corinth is that they're fighting over spiritual gifts. They're beginning to rank gifts. Well, if you have this gift, you're important. If you don't have this gift, you're not important. And many of you know, like here in Corinth, it becomes one of the dividing factors becomes the, the speaking of tongues. There are many churches today that say, unless you speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. Or you're not a certain kind of Christian. As if there's levels um, within the Christian, within Christendom. Constantly saying there's superior and inferior Christians. And so Paul wants us to be aware of two different lies that the enemy will whisper. So lie number one, I'm not needed because my gifts are different. We see this in verses 14 through 20. Verse 14, Paul reminds us the body is made up of many parts. And then in verse 15, he talks about the absurdity of a foot saying, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Or in verse 16, the absurdity of an ear saying, because I'm not like the eye, I'm not a part of the body. Now, I just ask you, have you ever fallen into that lie? Do you look at the spiritual gifts of others and then think that you're not necessary? Do you think that you are unimportant or inferior to others? Just think through that. Do you think it doesn't actually matter if you show up on a Sunday morning? Do you kind of go, you know, if I'm not involved, it still seems to just keep happening, so I guess I'm just not that important. When I'm there, you know, it doesn't make a difference. It's fine. It's fine if I'm not there. I don't need to be involved because I don't have those giftings. I'm not like them. They don't need me. I don't fit. I know you felt that way. There's many of you that feel that way. The other of you are going to fall into lie number two, which we'll hit in a second. This is a lie that Satan wants you to believe. You don't need to be here. 
You don't need to join a church. You don't need to be involved in ministry. Fine, show up late, leave early, do what you want. They don't even need you. Look back at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Paul's point, we need to be different. If we're not different, we're not a body, we're a body part. Good luck. Like if you just got a hand, that's disgusting. If you're just a foot sitting in the room, it's kind of disgusting. We need one another. We need differences. So you're supposed to be different. Look at verse 18. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So, so get this. You are specially designed and gifted by God. And, and what, a good exercise. You can do this later. Go through the entire chapter and look at every way. Sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's indirect. That Paul shows that the Spirit is the source of all of your giftings. Go back and just look at that. So if we believe that, you have been your God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, which means you're spiritually, which means you're specially gifted, which means you're not lacking, which means you're not an accident, which means you're not inferior to other Christians. You're made in a unique way. And if we fall prey to this lie, then we'll actually begin to question the goodness and the wisdom and the rule of God. Because who's the one who decided? The giftings you have? Who gave them to you? And so by you saying, I'm not gifted, I'm not good enough, I'm not like them, I don't belong, you wouldn't say this, most likely, but you're saying, well, well, God messed up. Obviously, God's not as good as he said he is. Obviously, he could use a little help with the wisdom department. Now, you wouldn't say that, right? Because we're good Christians and we wouldn't you know, admit to doing that. But that would be fleshing out the belief in the lie. That's where it goes. The lies are subtle, so you must remember you are composed, or the body is composed of many different parts. Everyone is important. Everyone is unique. And just as you would not cut off any part of your body, so we must not cut off any part of the body of Christ because God has saved you, placed his grace upon you, a spirit within you, that you would build the church. Now, lie number two I'm so gifted, I don't need you. Do you see they're different? One is, I'm not gifted, nobody needs me. The other one is, I'm so gifted, I don't need you. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. You're not an eye, I don't need you. Nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. That's a lie. It says, because you're not gifted like me, you're, super, you're inferior. Many churches, like I said, have done this with tongues. You can really do it with different giftings as well. Any church that begins to separate believers based upon their giftings as a ranking of inferior or superior is falling prey to the lies of Satan, which Paul is exposing right here. Uh, so this last week, I was meeting with a guy in the church uh, in my office, and we're, we're just talking. We're talking about life, talking about things, and started talking about this text and started talking about the lies that are in this text. And, and let me tell you, it is good, I encourage you, it is good to be in relationship with other Christians where you talk about God's word. 
Because as you talk about God's word, you begin to flesh it out. And, and as I began to talk with him, and we're just talking about the lies and talking about how that looks, all of a sudden I went, oh man, I've fallen prey to this lie. This is, this is the lie that I would fall into. Um, last week, uh, last week, <laughs> last week I exposed many of my faults and failures. Uh, so we'll do that again. Um, so when I look back, like beginning ministry, like 18 years ago, and looking at just how I began, um, man, I had so much energy, so much zeal, so much just, you know, just, and God blessed with a certain, certain amount of wisdom that I knew what to do. I knew where to go. Um, and felt like I was gifted in many ways, and yet I would always tell you, but I'm not gifted in music. Um, I, I don't sing very loud. Uh, that's why I'm always telling the band, and I tell whoever's doing tech, crank it up, because I don't want anyone to hear me. Uh, so I can only sing as loud as the music is, because I can't go louder than the music. Uh, and it's just not ability that I have, and I've continually gone, man, God, I would sure love to be able to sing well, and to be able to lead well in that way. But I remember saying many years ago, man, I, I know why God didn't give me the gift of, of music. Because, man, that, I could really just be gifted in so many ways. I wouldn't need other people. I mean, that's, that's basically what I was saying in my head. And, and I think I was thinking it sounded humble. Like, I know why God didn't give me this gift. <laughs> that's why I need you. <laughs> As if that sounded humble. And then, like, just thinking, man, that sounds so foolish now. And so, just so crazy. Maybe you're there. Maybe you look at yourself and you go, man, I'm so gifted. And I have all these abilities and all these things that I can do. Listen, what, what I understand more about myself now and today is whatever my gifting I thought was 18 years ago, it is like, I might be gifted in one or two ways. And, and, and even then, I'm like, I think there's people that are far more gifted in those ways than I am. Um, but we can fall prey to these lies. You can think, you can fall prey to this. And, and let me tell you this. If you're gifted in teaching, if you're gifted in music, if you're an outgoing person, if you're easily able to talk to others, this very well might be the lie you fall into. Because you're going, man, if only more people were like me. If you just did this like me, you would be better. As if we need to be more conformed to your image than the image of Christ. But you see how we do that? We so make inferior and superior Christians all the time. So you might be here and you're falling prey to number one, going, I'm not gifted, I don't need, um, nobody needs me. Or you're going to fall prey to this one and say, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty cool. I can do a lot. If I'm not involved in the church, it doesn't really matter because I'm pretty well gifted. Those are the two lies that Paul's exposing. And I guarantee you, everyone here falls prey to them at some time. Sometime in your thinking. So Paul wants to end, and he says, God has formed the diverse parts of the body so we'd work together in unity. And we see this all on the last part in verses 22 through 26. But look at that last part. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffers together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is who we are. We're a body of believers held together by Christ where there should be no disunity, but there's so much unity because we know we're dependent upon one another that when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person rejoices, we all rejoice. Just, just like in your body, if you cut your hand, does not your whole body feel that pain? 
And if you're excited, does not your whole body show excitement? Yeah, it does. That's how we're to look. That's how we're to be. I think of my dog. Um, I, have, I, I, I love boxers. That's the kind of dogs I have. Because, man, when they get excited, they turn into a taco. And, and they're, just, they're just giddy. And they're so excited. They squirm. So Max, was, I mean, he gets so excited. And he starts walking sideways and all. His whole body is affected by his, by his joy. That's how we're to be. I know. I compared this to a dog. Um, whatever. Uh, but just that excitement takes over the whole body. And, and even then, Paul talks about in these verses, there's, there's parts that are more presentable and there's parts that are less presentable. Now, think about it. In your own body, you got the presentable parts, right? And then you got unpresentable parts like your, your lungs and your kidneys and your heart and your mind. And, and, and what he talks about, the weaker parts are indispensable. And he says, on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. On our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. See, God composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. So to our heart and to our, to our uh, lungs and to those organs, that they require such special attention. He wraps them in spe- special care of our bodies, giving great honor to them. And he says, then he says uh, that there be no division in the body. So if you're sitting here and you're going, Man, I'm, just, I'm not like the guy up on stage or like the team up there or I'm just not outgoing like that person. That's okay. Those might be some of the presentable ones. But the unpresentable ones are oh so valuable. Gifts like prayer. Gifts like just encouragement. Writing of cards. Picking up after others. We, 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 we want to sometimes just say, oh, those aren't that important. I mean, they're not the ones that make the stage. Oh, but as we looked last week, man, without prayer, there is no church. We need the church praying. We need individuals praying. So I just want to encourage you, no matter where your gifting is, you're so valuable to the church. We've been trusted. If you've trusted in Jesus, you're saved by his grace. His spirit lives within you. You've been gifted according to the sovereign rule according to the wisdom and the goodness of God. You're needed for the building up of the church, and you need the church for the building up of you, and all of that is is a testimony of God's grace working in you. So may we not fall prey to the lies that we're not needed or that we don't need others, but may we see the goodness of the church, how it's a means of grace that God has given us. And I just want to encourage you, leave today more engaged. Leave today more committed. And if you want questions on how to do that, I'd love to talk to you about that. Rich would love to talk to you about that. Many other people would. If you want to email or call, feel free. Um, Every person is valuable and essential to the church because the Spirit of God works in you. Let's pray. Father.